Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are. Leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Greetings to those who watch below. Today we are headed off on the next leg of our US paranormal tour. This time we are stopping off in Florida. But before we do so, I'd like to give a huge shout out and say a massive thank you to those who dwell below, an exclusive channel membership that you can check out in the description box. So thank you to Steffi Ray, Wicked Witch, Jess Black Curtain, Lisa Watts, Lefty Kim, and Finn McCool. So now sit back, relax, and enjoy. My Encounters at the Daffodale House Estate B&B by Daffodale Estate I recently closed my own business and sought out work with some folks who own a B&B in Monticello, Florida. I had met them when I had a booth at the Flea Across Florida. They were quite warm and interesting, and so I called and asked if they needed help with their B&B. However, Little did I know the B&B was a haunted bed and breakfast. When I arrived I learned of their ghost tours, but was sceptical and took it with a grain of salt, despite hearing a vast array of stories. I soon had my own encounters and experiences. My first encounter occurred one evening while working downstairs on the first floor of the B&B. I had gone into the kitchen, and being fairly new to the facility, had some questions. I entered into the adjoining dining room and saw who I thought was Kathy, the co-owner of the B&B. Her back was turned from me and she was facing the fireplace. I was talking to her, but she did not turn or reply. There was a different feeling in the room, almost electric-like, and I turned and looked behind me to see Kathy sitting at her computer in the library room and looking at me in wonderment as to who I was talking to. When I looked back at the fireplace, the figure of the woman was gone. Later that week I was outside, and I saw again something that I thought was Kathy walking around the side of the house. I walked over to talk to her, but as I approached, she picked up pace and started to head to the front wraparound porch. I picked up my pace too, but she was on the porch now and around the bend. I had called out, Kathy, but figured she didn't hear me. It wouldn't be uncommon for her to be dashing for the phone or to meet a deadline crunch for a specific task. However, when I got to the front door it was locked. I wondered why she would lock the door on me. I walked around the house to the back door and entered to find that Kathy had never left the house and had been on the computer the entire time. A series of events have occurred like this, including lights going on and off, my phone battery dying within a short time of arrival, and strange sounds and smells. One night, I was working outdoors after dark, and my dog sat up and started tilting her head to the side, as though she saw something, but there was nothing there, and she suddenly whimpered and fell to the ground in a submissive position. I decided it was time to leave. Another day I was doing some cleaning in the hallway upstairs, 
and was by the original, now inoperable, enclosed elevator, and I smelled what seemed like pipe tobacco. I thought to myself that it must be something that Scott, Kathy's husband, smokes. However, I never even saw him smoke before. On several occasions, I smelled the same aroma in the same place. I recently learned that there was an old woman who used to smoke in that very same spot, so that the baby in the house would not breathe in the smoke. Recently, I was taken on to do some very time-intensive projects, and invited to stay for the duration of the project, so that I could save time and gas money. I had been provided the Victorian guest room, and for two weeks every night, I have been awakened by something, precisely at 2.11am. The Devil's Chair If you were to wander through a number of older American graveyards, you might be surprised to come across some strange ornaments. These ornaments resemble stone chairs or benches, often carved in an elaborate, even gothic style. Some are sculpted with the buttons and contours of cushioned seats. Some are carved with delicate foliage, with their backs and legs imitating tree branches. Other chairs bear names in creepy-looking calligraphy. Though you might find these monuments curious, you'd also have to admit there's something eerie about these richly decorated items, surrounded as they are by masses of tombstones. Known as Devil's Chairs, Haunted Chairs or Witch's Chairs, these pieces of graveyard furniture have generated the weirdest and most alarming legends. Those unwise enough to sit in them are variously said to hear spirits, to see the devil, to invite misfortune, tragedy or mental illness, or to gain their desires, though often at the expense of exchanging their souls. Some Devil's Chairs, apparently, even enable you to travel back through time. Unlike the intricately carved specimens found in some cemeteries, the Devil's Chair in Casadega Lake Helen Cemetery first seems disappointingly plain. It's a red brick bench, built into a red brick wall that surrounds two gravestones. The tombstone's inscriptions face the chair, each commemorating a woman named Thatcher. The only thing that seems really disturbing about the site are the pentagrams and words like Lucifer scratched into the wall and bench. This Devil's Chair is probably America's most famous. Every Halloween and on any Friday the 13th, large numbers of young people descend on the cemetery to try and sit in the chair. Residents and police guard the graveyard on these nights, turning back or arresting young adventurers. Youngsters have been accused of vandalising gravestones, throwing painted houses and bothering locals by asking if they can direct them to Casper. The police have detained hundreds over the years. Several legends are attached to the chair. One claims that if you leave a can of beer on the bench and come back the next morning, you'll find the beer has been drunk. And according to some, that is without the can having been opened. Another piece of folklore states that if you sit in the chair at midnight, you'll meet the devil himself, who'll be quite happy to chat with you. Some claim the evil one built the chair and that the things he'll whisper to you in the witching hour will haunt you forever. Others maintain that if you lower yourself onto the chair, the fiend will appear to you at midnight sometime in the next few days, wherever you may be. What no doubt adds to the attraction of this devil's chair is the fact that Casadega, the small town about two miles down the road, has been home to a community of spiritualists since around 1875. 
Sometimes called the psychic capital of the world, the town boasts a spiritualist church, mediums who will do readings for you, and new age shops. It seems the community has facilitated over recent years, between using the influx into the town around Halloween to boost the local economy, and resenting the evasion of now often rowdy tourists with ghoulishly stereotypical ideas about the place. But attempting to make it to the Devil's Chair by midnight is considered a no-no by virtually everyone. The story locals tell about the Devil's Chair is more poignant than legends of beer-guzzling demons, but no less spooky. In 1926, a 90-year-old man lost his wife and daughter in a house fire. The man, who had no other relatives, had the bench built next to their graves so he could spend as much time as possible near their burial places. He'd visit every day, sitting on the chair for hours. He'd had the names carved facing the seat so that he could gaze at them. After some time, locals began to view him as eccentric. Though some mocked him, most were tolerant of the grief-stricken aged man. About 11pm one Halloween night, two youths, perhaps forerunners of the many who'd later descend on the graveyard, were sneaking around the cemetery. They spotted the old man crying on his bench, and concerned about him being there so late, went to tell the police. The police officers looked at them in shock and confusion. What are you talking about? one said. That old man passed away a few days ago. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. POW Ghost by Sapper While on a training mission back in 2003, we camped out on what I would learn as a former POW camp from World War II for German soldiers. It was particularly cold this training, I believe it was February. It was in the low 20s, which is odd, but not unheard of in Florida. We meet at the National Guard Armory that night and load into five tons and Humvees then start the long drive to the army base. I know for some the 20 doesn't sound all that cold, but with Florida's humidity and gear that is issued in a warm weather environment, it really does little to stop the cold. By the time we arrived at the base, my body was numb from cold, and every bump in the road seemed to shoot through my spine. I was grateful when we stopped for the night. All I could remember once we got to the base, and received our location for the mission, we drove for what seemed like hours through the woods, on the most god-awful roads in the state. When we finally arrived at our area of operations, it was time to set up camp, and rest for the following day of training missions. I went with my platoon to a location the sergeant felt was a good spot to set up camp. There was a concrete slab, which seemed to have been a foundation of sorts for a building long ago. There was grass and bushes growing from cracks in the slab, I found a comfortable spot to lie what sleeping equipment I had, which consisted of a Gore-Tex wrap, a sleeping bag, and an inflatable shooting mat. I set my sleeping area up, climbed into my sleeping bag fully clothed with my rifle and field knife by my side. I then sat in and waited for the bag to warm up, 
so I would at least be a little comfortable, and could possibly get an hour or two of sleep. It must have been around two in the morning, when I awoke with a strange feeling. It had seemed like someone wanted me up, and had shook me to get my attention. I peeped my head out of my hotel suit, and looked around. No one was looking at me or standing around me. It was a well-lit night, and the moon seemed full, and the train that seemed like a mystery before was almost in plain sight. I looked around for a little longer, seeing if maybe I had heard something, an animal perhaps. Finally, I grew tired again, and the cold started to get to me. I found my rucksack, reached inside, and pulled my flask from it. I took a long swig of my flask, and then settled back into my sleeping bag. I drifted off to sleep again, after the whiskey had relaxed my nerves, and helped me forget that the shooting mat had lost what little air it had, and that I was now sleeping on concrete. The night it seemed was getting colder, the morning dew was settling on the ground, and turning to ice. As I would turn in my sleeping bag, I could hear the ice crack, and could feel it slide from the Gore-Tex outer shell. I don't know what woke me, but I often wake up several times when sleeping in such a way. I checked my watch. 3.15am. I had only slept for a little over an hour. I took another long swig from my flask, and settled in to hopefully get more rest. Before I could return to the land of sleep, I started to feel like I was being watched. I again looked out of my sleeping bag to see if someone was around. The same result. No one. I returned trying to sleep, when I was kicked in the back. I again looked out of my bag to find no one standing there. I was a little upset to find that someone hadn't walked up behind me. I then got out of my sleeping bag, and went over to the tree line to take a leak. I saw my time returning to my bag, and just looked around to see if I might have missed something. I looked around where my bag lay, and found that no one was sleeping behind me, so I thought maybe I had just had a muscle spasm, or something along those lines. Thinking this, I returned to my bag. I just started to get comfortable again, when I was kicked in the stomach. I looked out for my sleeping bag again, and no one was there. Again. I returned my head to my sleeping bag, and lay motionless for about five minutes, though it seemed like longer. I then tried to move around and get comfortable again. I checked my watch and it was close to 4.30, and wake up would be coming soon, so I thought it best to at least get a little more rest, before waking up to eat breakfast. I had just started to fall back asleep, when it felt like someone stepped on me, as if they didn't see me laying there. I moved as to push the person off balance, as they stepped on me, but found no resistance at all. I don't remember much more about that night, other than I didn't get any rest, and was annoyed about the incidents in the night. Breakfast was your typical army cardboard flavour coffee, and liquid eggs with something they were passing off as sausage. During our training missions, I noticed several things that struck me as odd. The concrete slabs had indeed been a foundation of sorts at some time, all in a pattern, as if it were a lost neighbourhood. There were no signs of fencing anywhere, but where one would think to place a fence, was simply ten or so yards of broken glass bottles, and other jagged materials. I found this continued into most of the areas that we were hiking through. I asked a sergeant about the glass, and all he could remember, was that some time it was a POW area, and the broken glass was cheaper than fencing. In Florida weather, you don't really need shoes, so I suppose items that could have been used for footwear, were confiscated to prevent escape. I haven't found anything in print regarding that, 
but it makes sense. I did however find out that it was indeed a POW camp and that five people died of natural causes and or illness during it being active. 4th Pickens Ghost by Every Hour I live in Pensacola, Florida, which is one of the most haunted cities in the state. The town is famous for its haunted lighthouse, which was featured on an episode of Ghost Hunters, and many other haunted buildings. One of the most popular haunted locations is an old abandoned fort on the beach called Fort Pickens. This place has become a tourist location, and many go there to go sightseeing, regardless of if they know about the ghosts or not. I've had several creepy experiences here, but I had one pretty recently that was unlike anything I have ever experienced. I was at the fort at night with my boyfriend, Scott, and two of our best friends, Amy and Adrian. I'd just started dating my boyfriend back then, so I hadn't really told him about any of my history of paranormal experiences, and Amy and Adrian don't really believe in ghosts, so I hadn't told them either. At the fort, there is a big wall surrounding the fort, and Scott and I were just standing at a certain point on the wall that overlooked a large clearing with no trees or plants or anything, just sand. Amy and Adrian were on the ground right under us. I was just overlooking the clearing when something caught my eye. It looked like a person was standing in the middle of the clearing, waving. At first I thought it was an actual person, but my group was there at nightfall, which is a time when no one is really supposed to be at the fort anyway. I hadn't seen or heard anyone else around the fort at all. I tried to take a closer look at the person, but it was too dark to make out any features. I could just see a faint figure of someone standing there, waving up at me. Then I realised that the more I tried to focus on them, the less I could see them. At the exact moment I realised what was happening, my heart sunk. The figure I saw was slowly disappearing and then reappearing before my eyes. I thought I was crazy, but then Scott said, Hey, does anyone see that kid? I immediately whirled round to look at Scott. I asked, You see that too? He said, Yeah, that's really creepy. He keeps disappearing. I turned around to look at the figure again, and it was very faint. I could barely even see the silhouette now. Scott and I decided to get down from the wall and go get a closer look at the person ourselves. So when we went around the stone staircase a few feet away and climbed down, we told Amy and Adrian where we were going and started walking in the direction of the figure we had seen. Just as we turned to walk toward it, we realised that it was gone. Nothing was there in its place, just an open clearing with nothing there. We would have just debunked it as being an actual person who had just walked away, but that clearing is pretty big. There was nowhere for anyone to go that quickly in the time it took for us to get down from the wall. We walked back to our friends and told them about what we had seen, and they brushed it off saying, I saw him. He was creepy, but it was probably just a person. But if it was just a person, why were they disappearing on and off? Why did they disappear completely when we started walking toward them? I still cannot explain this experience. A Lifelong Haunting in Florida by Angeli I've lived in the house I live in now, literally since I was born. It's the only place I've ever lived. And since I was a little girl, I've had experiences here, 
I can tell you that when Anton, my fiancé, moved into my house, the activity became much more severe. It's kind of like whatever is here was used to me, but when Anton moved in, it got really territorial or something. Before he came, stuff would happen, but nothing really frightening. Mainly, I'd see shadows and stuff. My mum would hear children playing and giggling in my bedroom when I wasn't home, and my dad told me he saw boxy black shadows in the kitchen. I saw a silhouette that looked like a man in a tall hat, with two women on either side of him in my living room. It didn't scare me though. They were just having a good time, it seemed like. I think that it was something residual. Probably because of growing up in a haunted house, I've always had a bit of a fascination with the paranormal. It both scares the crap out of me, and fascinates me. Anton, though, wanted nothing to do with anything paranormal, and he'd get upset at me if I even tried talking about it. I think he had a bad experience before when he was a kid. Anyway, not long after he moved in, activity which kind of comes and goes in this house picked up with a vengeance. Banging on the walls, voices when no one else was home, stuff getting thrown, you name it. I was in the living room one time with Anton, and he was on the other side of the room from where I was, standing folding laundry, and I felt something thwack my back. I turned around and saw a red towel on the floor behind me. My fiancé was engrossed in his computer game, and I knew it wasn't him that threw it, and it was only me and him in the house at the time. We'd seen weird bluish lights too, that had no identifiable source to them, usually in the kitchen area. Anton swears a glass candle holder got thrown at him. I saw the broken glass all over the floor, but I didn't actually see it get thrown. The scariest experience Anton and I had was one night when I went to bed before him. He'd been laying on the couch in the living room at about 1 or 2 in the morning watching TV, and I went to bed. I then woke up, because I heard a very loud bang come from the wall in my room, behind my bed, and when I woke up, Anton was sitting on the floor at the foot of the bed. I'm like, what was that? And why are you here sitting on the floor? I thought you were watching your show. He goes, you heard that too? Uh, yeah. I'd have had to been deaf not to. He told me what had happened to him in the living room. Evidently, he'd had the lights off and was watching his favourite show, and he saw something weird out the corner of his eye. And when he looked, he saw what looked like faces coming out of the wall. It sounds overdramatic, I know, but he swore on his life that he was telling the truth, and I'd heard one of the persons say that they'd seen that too, in my living room, an ex-friend of mine who spent the night before at my house. He was scared to death, and ran into my room, but he'd sat on the floor because he didn't want to wake me. That was when the banging on the wall started. Anton said it had gone on for ten minutes before I woke up, so I was pretty freaked out after that but I somehow managed to fall back asleep, and Anton went to bed too. I should mention that he talks in his sleep, a lot. Normally I'll just sit there and listen to him talk, and then go back to bed. He woke me up talking as usual, nothing new there, but then he starts to get really agitated, and he kept talking and trying to tell me something, but I couldn't understand what he was saying. Suddenly, it was like something had gotten in between me and him, and it literally grabbed him and threw him. He flew out of bed and hit the wall next to the bed and whacked his head on my nightstand. I started screaming, and he was awake now and understandably pretty freaked out. 
My fiance is six foot two and two hundred pounds. I'm only five six and about one forty. I couldn't have thrown him like that if my life depended on it. He flew off that bed like someone had shoved him, and he hit that wall with a lot of force. He actually chipped some of the plaster off the wall. Yeah, it was a terrifying night, and I always sleep with the lights on now. Also, the night after that, we both heard something weird. We heard what sounded like something being dragged down the hall. Only it sounded like whatever it was, it was being dragged over leaves. It was a kind of rustling dragging sound. Only, obviously there's no foliage in our hallway. So I'm going to guess that too was probably something residual. Our house isn't particularly old. It was built in the early 1970s. I think the residual part of it might be connected to the land, not the house. Because those silhouettes I saw in my living room when I was a little girl, having a good time and listening to music and dancing, were dressed in really poofy old-fashioned dresses, and the guy had on a suit and top hat. Definitely not 70s style clothes, much older. There are a lot of theories about why my house is haunted, but I definitely think it's the land, because many other people who live in my area in Florida, who I know, are also experiencing paranormal activity in their homes. I think I might also have, or have had, a poltergeist. Possibly at least. That would explain a lot. Like why stuff would mainly happen when I was scared or angry, when me and my fiancé would fight. That's when he'd most likely get things thrown at him, or hear me calling to him after I'd left the house, and it was just him there. Recently not a whole lot has been happening. As I said, it comes in waves. Sometimes nothing at all will happen for months or even years. I heard that in the spirit world, they don't experience time passing the way we do, so it's like something will happen every single day for a month, then nothing will happen for a year. It's very strange. Actually, my dad passed away not that long ago, and I believe he's here, protecting me, so that could also be why nothing scary has happened in so long. It gives me peace to know he is here, watching over me, not gone. Hi guys, thank you so much for listening to today's video. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you did, make sure to leave a like, and also subscribe to the channel if you haven't already, making sure to hit that notification bell so that you don't miss out on any videos. I'll be back next week with some more terrifying tales. So until then, sleep tight.